The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Since 2005, I have been working at a Catholic school in the Archdiocese of Detroit, uh, run by our congregation. It's called Everest. It was an academy when I got there in 2005, and now it's, we've added a high school in, in 2008. So I've been up there for about 12 years now, and um, seen different changes in the Archdiocese. You know, I'm a religious priest. You know, we do have interaction. And our current bishop is Archbishop Alan Vigneron. And in the fall of last year, he called a synod of a whole archdiocese to try to reawaken the faith of the entire archdiocese, and especially the faith uh, in terms of evangelization. And one of the phrases he's used is making every single person in the archdiocese of Detroit part of this joyful band of missionary disciples. And one of the fruits of the synod, he came out with a uh, long pastoral letter, 40 pages long, uh, on Pentecost. But it has, it's really, it's a very good uh, plan for the archdiocese. And he starts in the first part addressing some of the current difficulties. And he talks about three roots of the crisis of faith. And I think they're applicable to today's gospel in a certain way. At least one of the points he mentions, one of these crises that we have. And I wanted to try to relate it to today's gospel. Because in the end... Our faith rests on a very simple, not easy, but simple principle, a personal friendship with Jesus Christ. Everything in our spirituality is built on that foundation. But in order to have a friendship with someone, you have to know them. And we all know that just like any friendship, a deep friendship takes a long time to develop. And when we read the Gospels, it's not always easy to know exactly what Jesus meant or how to learn to be his friend when you don't understand necessarily some of the words. Now, one of the difficulties of our faith that Archbishop Vigneron pointed out, and he actually borrowed a term, it's a long term, so I hope I don't lose you. Um, It was coined by a couple of sociologists. He calls it 
moralistic therapeutic deism. Some of you might have heard of that phrase. So one of the, the difficulties of that phrase is that it has a faulty notion of who God really is. And if we don't know who God really is, we can't really def- de- develop a good friendship with him. So what does that mean, moralistic therapeutic deism, and how does it tie into today's gospel? Well, first of all, the first word, moralistic, well, that idea that is kind of a, could be a crisis or a root of an obstacle to our faith, it has to do with morality. So the problem is with morality, maybe in today's society, one of the tendencies is just to think that I have to just be a kind of a nice, respectful, kind, responsible person. That's it, right? That's my morality is, is that. And as long as I'm nice and pleasant, well, that's really the height of it. That's what I need to do, All right? That's only part of it. And there, so there's a vague notion of a, what it means to be truly good and truly holy. And it's not just we certainly need to be kind and nice and pleasant, but that's not the foundation of what it means to be a true Christian disciple. The other part of that philosophy, so that the moralistic part, the therapeutic part, is that my relationship with God was so a therapeutic vision of God sees God as someone who kind of helps me out when I need something. And that's pretty much it. So when I need something, I call to him and he gives me healing and, and strength. But other than that, he really doesn't worry about me. He doesn't hold me accountable for anything else. Right? Of course, that's also a false notion of God because, of course, he's going to answer our needs, but he's going to answer our needs according to our best, our good, which isn't necessarily what we think is good for us in a, in a given moment. So... Our, our vision of God has to go more, much more beyond some, someone who just helps us when I need something. Um, and Because he does that, but he also holds us accountable. And then deism is that idea that, well, you know, God created the world, but in the end, he's really not involved in my daily life. Right? So if you put all those three, three things together, the idea that I just got to be kind of a nice person and that I just deal with God when I need something, and he gives it to me, and the fact that... Um, you know, he's not really interested in my personal daily life. That, that kind of builds into a, a living of our faith that isn't deep enough. It doesn't really address the, the needs of our soul, and it certainly isn't going to address the needs of society, which is rejecting God. Now, how does all that relate with today's gospel? Well, it's important to understand Jesus' words in the context in which he spoke them. If you were to continue in uh, the reading of today, after today's gospel, Usually in the Bibles that we read, this is at the end of, I believe, chapter, it's at the end of chapter 11. And then the beginning of chapter 12, what is it? It's when the disciples, it's on a Sabbath, and the disciples are hungry, and they're going through a grain of wheat. And what do they do? They pluck the grains and eat them because they're hungry. Right? That happens right after this episode of Jesus saying, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, I will give you rest. And he says it again, I'm meek and humble of heart. You will find rest for yourselves. Now, when we read that, that idea of rest, we can maybe just jump into the kind of a no, vague notion of what rest means. Oh, it's kind of relaxing. God wants to give me a relaxation. But if you think about it, what part of the Christian faith is, is, is relaxing in that sense, right? I mean, Christ tells us to, to take up our cross every day and follow him. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy to be my disciple. I mean, does that go with a kind of a vague rest, relaxation? No, because that's not what Christ is talking about. What he's really talking about is who he is. That idea of rest, if you're speaking to a Jewish audience, had a very specific meaning. And it had to do with what? The Sabbath. Exactly what uh, the apostles, when they go, were going through the field of grain, it was a Sabbath day. 
And that episode in the gospel isn't just about Jesus allowing somebody to break a simple little rule. That's not the point of that gospel at all. It's not Jesus saying, okay, you've got on one side this really rigid, legalistic, pharisaical rule thing, and I'm over here trying to make your life easier. That's, that's a total misrepresentation, or misunderstanding, I should say, of what Jesus is really saying in the gospel. It has very little to do with a little rule of, of breaking. Obviously, the deeper point is who has the authority to, to say what's right on the Sabbath? And that's what Jesus is saying by his using the word rest. Again, if you're talking to a Jewish audience, the Sabbath, is, is the Sabbath day of rest is what made them a people. One of the basic elements that made the Jewish people themselves. Because why? Well, they were imitating God who rested on the seventh day. So, obviously, that resting had certain um, prescriptions in it. But the deeper idea is that Jesus is the one who dictates Jesus is the one you have to follow to have the Sabbath fulfill what it was supposed to fulfill. It's Jesus that you follow. So what Jesus was saying is, I am the God of Israel. And that's why there was, so, there was such conflict between the Pharisees and Jesus. It's not because the Pharisees had this, this strict lead. Some of them were too strict in, in, in some of their interpretations. But that was one outside point. The, the deeper issue was, is this person Jesus Christ, God, or not? That's what it was all about. And when Jesus says in today's gospel, I will give you rest, I am meek and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for yourselves, he's proclaiming his divinity. And so when we take that step and understand that Jesus Christ is God, well, then everything else follows, everything else in the gospel follows after what he's talking. And then he talks about, all the different teachings of the church flow from anything Jesus either said or did. That's where we get all the teachings of the Catholic Church. And we all know following the teachings of the Catholic Church are not easy sometimes. They're joyful in the sense that they bring us true spiritual peace. And that's what St. Paul is talking about. He talked about belonging to Christ in the second reading. Whoever does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Jesus wants us to belong to him through what? The spirit. Right? And we get the Spirit, of course, first of all, in baptism. That's the first uh, sacrament. It's the entryway into our living, our friendship with Jesus Christ. But what does baptism represent? A going down, a dying. Right? Again, that's far different than an easy, kind of comfortable lifestyle. Dying is not easy or comfortable, right, most of the time. It's something painful. It's something that ought not to happen. So how do we get that Spirit well, I would refer us back to Monday. I think it was the Feast of St. Thomas the Apostle. Remember what Jesus did after the resurrection? He appeared to his apostles, and then a week later he appeared. Thomas wasn't there the first time, and then he appeared the second time. And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit, received the Holy Spirit, and then he related it with his wounds, his wounds in his hands and in his side. So he was saying the Spirit is a gift, but it came at a price. Right? And that's why we can't just go through life understanding that, yes, God wants to heal us, but that healing came through his death, his suffering. And we're united personally with that suffering. And that's why life isn't just about comfort. It's also about being sacrificial. That's not the only aspect. But if we want that spirit of God that transforms us into his God's sons and daughters, we need the spirit that comes from Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And that's the spirit that St. That Paul is talking about belonging, uh, the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he, he 
he raised Christ from the dead, will give life to your mortal bodies also. Not simply just a physical, biological life, but a spiritual life. And that, of course, brings us to the height of the spiritual life, what we do here every Sunday. That in the Eucharist is wrapped up all these different mysteries. Jesus becomes meek and humble of heart because he's the one that took on all the penalty of our sins by dying on the cross. He's the one that gives us life through the Spirit. And then he's the one that makes it the rest easy because he's the one who already paid the price for us. And then we're united to him in this great sacrament of the Eucharist. And really, it's in the Eucharist where we get to know Christ the best, meditating on his passion, his death, his resurrection from the dead, and, of course, his self-giving, continual self-giving. In all the tabernacles of the world, Jesus is there present, just there present for each one of you and and me. And that's the great mystery of Jesus Christ. Again, so it's not just about kind of living a... Jesus didn't come to bring a more comfortable lifestyle. He came to bring love, and love requires sacrifice, endurance, perseverance, all those different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, but then he gives us the strength to do it in receiving the Eucharist. So we really can say, with the first reading, see your king shall come to you, just savior is he, meek and riding on an ass, on a colt, the full of an ass. So really, so the whole idea of shouting for joy, O daughter Jerusalem, see your king shall come to you. And that's really the true nature of what we do every Sunday. Jesus is really coming to us in the Eucharist, it's not just some prediction of the Old Testament. It's made flesh, made reality here in this great gift of the Eucharist. So as we continue developing our friendship with Christ, let's continue to make the Eucharist the center of our lives because our King has come to meet us, and we should um, you know, experience that joy the best we can, live in the Spirit, and then do everything we can to make Christ, uh, Jesus Christ known and loved. Our eyes are fixed on the Lord, pleading for his mercy. In faith we pray. Lord, hear our prayer. That the church will be a place of mercy, freely given, where everyone can feel loved, forgiven, and encouraged to live the life of the gospel. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That in a world torn by strife, God's people may shine forth as a prophetic sign of unity and concord. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For refugees and those exiled from their homeland, that they may receive a loving welcome. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase of vocations to the priesthood and to the consecrated life, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For those burdened by poverty, hardship, oppression, and persecution, that God will rescue them and lift them up. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the grace this week to live by the Spirit of God in every way. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Loving Father, make us faithful in following your law of love and bless us with your peace and mercy. Through Christ our Lord. <clears throat> 